today we want to talk about the key to every healthy relationship. Like what we're going to talk about is the key to every healthy relationship. So there's been like, oh, I need that. Uh, but we're going to talk about it in the context of marriage. But the key can be applied to every relationship. Uh, so just good to know that. What would you say is the most frustrating thing about me in our marriage? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know this is real vulnerability because he doesn't know what I'm going to say, and um, well, you don't know and what I'm I don't know say. what he's going to say, so it's even worse. But I'm going second, so I get the opportunity to okay. go like I can pitch it wherever you pitch it. You okay. know, you over prune our trees. <laughs> that can't be the most annoying thing, surely. <laughs> oh, he's so happy to let them be ugly for years with the idea that one day in a few years' time it's going to look great and I have to suffer years of seeing neighbours' houses and ugly fences and, oh, it really gets me. Trees are like here. It'll grow back, you know. It's, it's fine. <laughs> what would you say is your favourite thing, though? Oh. When I prune them properly. <laughs> I do love that. Um, no, my favourite thing... Always prune them when Katie's away. <laughs> That's the key, OK? Yeah. I don't know if you guys are aware of like the strength finder. Um, so Joel's number one strength is maximizer, which means he like can, he's always trying to make things better. And that's what he continually does in our marriage and our in our members home. Least favorite strength, yeah. <laughs> I love it. So he's just, he's so intent on getting better and better and better and always looking for ways to improve in everything. And so I love that. Oh, thanks. Is this now where I say the most annoying thing? Uh, I reckon we can move on. Okay, yeah, cool. No, I mean, you can if you want. <laughs> sure thing, let's move on. A smart man never says anything like that publicly, okay? That's nice. the first marriage tip. There Write that go. down if you're taking notes. Even if I asked, was asked the question by Katie, there's no way I'm saying anything, okay? You stitched me up. You said we were both doing <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, now okay. I look better than you. You do. Success. Uh, <laughs> way better. Yeah, anyway. The key to all relationships. Marriage is beautiful. Um, marriage is, it, it, it's from God, right? It's a gift um, at its best. Um, it's a sacrament uh, in the Catholic Church. It's one of the seven sacraments. It's actually sacrament under the category of evangelism, like reaching the world. And uh, really we, could, we can understand why, because sometimes the most impactful thing we can do to this world is have a healthy marriage, raise some great kids, and, uh, you know, generation after generation, that means God's kingdom comes mm. to this world and, and things have made a difference. So we understand, but we also know that marriage is hard. Mm. Like, we can be honest about it. Mm. Marriage confronts all of your selfishness. It, it brings up all of the issues you didn't even know you had that you'd been gathering and putting in a backpack before you got married. Uh, marriage has a way of bringing them all to the surface, bringing them out. And, and so... To assume that we're just going to be able to like two become one and that's all going to go like easy and swell and without some real moments of heartache or, or some real soul searching and some real hard work is probably a bit idealistic. And so we hope that some of what we share today will help us do that journey well. I think we can recognise that all of us in different seasons, like I love our marriage, but it doesn't mean it's always easy. And we've had to get help along the way and we want people to feel free and not like shame that they might need help. If you need help, get help. It's out of all the things you can get help for, that is worth getting help for. Um, but we had some, you had some funny things that you wanted to share that sort I of did. sum up some of the marriage <laughs> we wars. Thought, we thought 
it, we'll start a little light, shall we? Because it is going to get serious. It's going to get um, so serious. And so you know how you know how your phone does targeted ads, like by what the things that you say. Um, anyway, we're going to watch. Know that, it if does. you didn't know that, that's what happens. And so let's have a little look at that, if we can. Therapy. Therapy for men. How to clean after oneself. How to load a dishwasher. How to fix the toilet. Chanel, YSL, Louis Vuitton, spa days for wife. Let wife sleep in. Vacation. What have you been whispering around my phone? No, you're going to find out in the next coming weeks, I believe. All my targeted ads, okay. Uh, I, I, I had a good one. Like, this is, this is how I feel, um, and I'm sure husbands will feel like this um, sometimes. So I think I do deserve a prize. Can you see that? I think I do deserve a Nobel Peace Prize when everything's falling apart and I say calm down. I reckon that fixes everything. Everything is solved at that point. That's what I've learned in <laughs> 17 years of marriage. That brings a lot of peace. Oh, I had some funny ones, like every time a wife does silent treatment to her husband, I really enjoyed this one. That if one was funny. One. I'll ignore him all day so he knows I'm mad. What a beautiful, <laughs> quiet day. That one's amazing. <laughs> This one actually happened to us this week. It's the red one team, if you've got that. This one happened. Except it was my husband <laughs> just stopped and said, you weren't even listening, were you? <laughs> and she said, that's a weird way to start a conversation. Anyway, just further. Do you have any more you want to share? What about I, the wife I, talking to the brick wall? Oh, yeah, that one's good. <laughs> I Any? kind of like, it's a bit naughty, but what about the one about the hormones? Was the hormones one there? Hopefully. It's quite naughty. So like the, the, the husband's like prepping He's a prepping meal or something in the kitchen? Yeah, this one. Yeah. My hormone's about to ruin both of our days. <laughs> <laughs> that was, I love that one. And for all of the silly husbands with toilet humour, maybe the smell one, the, the black yeah. background one would be a good way to finish here. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Lyndon, you know. Uh, Gross, Lyndon. <laughs> all right. Let's get our Bibles out, shall we? So there's some quality today. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5. Is there any sort of like precursors you want to say yeah. before I throw myself under a bus by reading it? <laughs> totally. Look, before Joel reads this, um, we just want to acknowledge that there are some uh, triggering, unpopular things in this scripture, definitely by our culture's standards. Um, and we are going to be talking about all of those things. Um, we're not just up here sharing our opinions. And you can know as pastors, we do our best to be a faithful witness to God's Word. And so that's what we're going to bring today. Dum, 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 Ephesians 5 verse 21, everyone's favourite word, submit. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, getting a little tense now, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. And for, hus for the husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the saviour of his body, the church. And as the church submits to Christ, 
So you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, husbands, prep up here, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up His life for her to make her holy, clean, washed by the cleansing of God's Word, and He did it to present her to Himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any blemish. Instead, she'll be holy and without fault. And in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it. And that doesn't mean as long as you feed and care for your wife, it's done, okay? Just as Christ cares for the church and we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother, is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it's an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. I'll just go on a little bit longer here. Why did you look at me when you said that? Anyway, keep going. Each wife must respect her husband. Okay. <laughs> Let the church witness this. Uh, children, obey your parents. All of you are wishing your kids are in here right now because you belong to the Lord for this is the right thing to do. Honour your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honour your father and mother, things will go well for you. Isn't that the truth? And you will have a long life on earth because we won't kill them. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Last but not leastly, slaves, obey your earthly masters with deep respect and fear. Serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ. Try to please them all the time, not just when they're watching you. As slaves of Christ, do the will of God with all your heart. Work with enthusiasm as though you're working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do, whether we're slaves or free. Masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Don't threaten them. Remember, you both have the same master in heaven and he has no favourites. I'd imagine submit words like pushing some buttons, just at a guess. Yeah, yeah, it, it absolutely does. And I'm just going to share from my experience for a little bit. Um, yeah, I just want to acknowledge that that word submission is a really triggering word. Um, it's a triggering word because out of all the spiritual disciplines, and we are going to talk about submission as a spiritual discipline or a spiritual practice, of all the spiritual disciplines, none have been more abused than this one. Um, you know, I have to admit to myself, when I first heard this teaching, I was like, I, d I don't quite know what to do with this. Um, and so I guess I would say my position on it was probably sitting on a fence, leaning out sceptically. <laughs> But one of my core beliefs is that God's principles are good and life-giving. And so that core belief challenged where I was sitting. And so what I've done is I engaged in a journey and I would um, say that my attitude was that of like a gold miner thinking there's got to be some gold in here somewhere. And the original intent, intent of this word, before people ruined it, there has got to be some life-giving principles in there somewhere. And I tell you what, there really is. And so I look forward to, um, over this message, that we are gonna tear down bit by bit what this does not mean, and we get to look at what it does mean. For sure, mine for that gold. Mine for the gold. The, the bigger context is where we want to begin as we come at this verse. And the first thing we want to say, because I think we can agree on this, is that the call of the Scripture, the call of Jesus into our lives is to be people of love. 
to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and to love your neighbour as yourself. Jesus would say in John 13, love one another as I have loved you. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. And so we can agree that we are all called to love. That word love in the Greek is not an undefined word like our world uses love. It is agape in the Greek. And it means a type of way of relating to each other that wills the good of another. Or literally, it means to prefer the other. It means to put them before yourself, right? And so as we just build something to come at this word submit, where it says submit to one another, we need to start with love because actually submitting is a way of practising love. It's a way of practising preferring the other, willing the good of another. It's what love looks like relationally. The next thing before we even get to marriage is we can start that first verse we read and further, further what? Writing to the whole church here, to the brothers and sisters in Christ and further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. It's not talking about husbands and wives here. It's not talking about that. It's talking about our relationships as God's people on this earth. It's saying we should relate to such one another in love. What does that look like? Submitting to one another. What it means being open to each other. It means not trying to gain and grab from each other. It means coming under, seeing who can outdo one another in good service, in love, in sacrifice, and in preferring the other. So as we build the story, hopefully we can sort of disarm some of these triggers for the bomb of that word. Really, we're talking about being like Jesus, revolutionary idea in our relationships, Mm -hmm. which is what Philippians chapter two actually teaches us really clearly. It says in verse five, you must have the same attitude referring to relationships that Christ Jesus had. Oh, that sounds challenging. What is that attitude? Though he was God, he had it all. He was equal with God. He didn't count it as something to grab a hold of, to lord over people. Instead, he gave up his privileges and he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being, and we appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him. In all of our relationships, hear me, including marriage, but in all of our relationships, we are called to the type of practice, the type of posture with one another that looks like submission. It looks like going without so somebody else can have something. It looks like preferring them. It looks like working for their good, not getting everybody else working for our good. It looks like at times where we could count on position or privilege rather than grabbing those and and, and lording it over, letting go of those and going actually like Jesus, John 13, right? Jesus is their disciple, feet need washing. There's no servants around. Jesus takes off his robe. He takes off his sign of privilege, his rabbiness. He grabs a towel, grabs the high-vis vest. He grabs the toilet cleaner, whatever it is in our culture, puts on the towel and he washes their feet, takes the humble position of a slave. And he says to his disciples, I've given you an example, go and do likewise. And so as we grab a hold of this idea of practicing submission, living out Uh, that practice, we're talking about a Christian practice that when we bring it into our marriage, like all of our relationships, man, it causes something of the goodness of God to flow in those relationships.
It's really good. I want to look at some of the gold that I was talking about in that verse. So there is freedom in the practice of submission. So for every discipline, for every spiritual discipline, there's a corresponding freedom that comes with it. And so what is the freedom that comes with the practice of submission? It is the ability to lay down the burden of having to get your own way all the time. So it's the ability to lay down Do the burden of always needing to get our own way. And let me tell you, that is a burden. That's a burden, always needing to get your own way all the time. It's a burden in any relationship. It's a burden in your marriage. Um, Richard J. Foster, he said that the obsession to demand that things go the way we want them to go is one of the greatest bondages in human society today. And I tell you, it's a bondage in our relationships. It's a bondage in our marriage. It ruins it. And um, so the corresponding freedom to practicing submission is laying that down. And man, that feels good that I don't always have to get my way all the time. Yeah, Christ came to set us free Mm. and the Scripture constantly talk about, but how do you use that freedom? And in Galatians, it says, use that freedom to serve one another in love. So it's like, yeah, you've got it all, but if you actually don't live like you're free, you live like you still need to grab at the world, like you actually become enslaved to that stuff and you become not free. Actually, freedom in Christ, and this is the revolutionary thing about this verse. We need to understand, it drops like a bit of a lead balloon, like a bomb in our time, like wives submit to their husband. It's like, whoa, like it drops like a lead balloon in our culture. It wouldn't have dropped like that into their culture. Because there's all these power plays at at work here, right? There's like, there's order in their society. Our society hates order, but in their society, there was order. It was like, yeah, of course, husbands are the head of the house and and wives are, and it's of course, masters are in charge of slaves. And of course, you know, know, put that as, of course, employees, you know, can ask for what they want. Employers can ask for what they want from employees. Of course, parents are above their children. It's like, of course, of course, of course. Paul writes to the culture and goes, you know, you don't submit to one another because the culture says so, because that's how it's ordered. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Get a revelation of Jesus. Get a revelation of your salvation, of His goodness, of how He set you free. When He comes to husbands and wives, He's like, don't look to the cultural models. Look to the way Jesus and the church are supposed to relate to one another. Get your cues off that. Because there's something about this relationship that's supposed to say something about that mystery. And so he's like, yeah, we live in an individualistic culture. We live in a rights over responsibilities culture. We live in a time that wants to grab everything, that noble sacrifice is sort of like, nah, just get what you can from the world. Like we live in a time where these things drop like bombs, but really the bomb dropping in these passages would have been, what? Husbands, love your wives like Christ loves the church. Okay, I don't, all right. Like they're not property. They're not beneath me. They're not less than me. I've got to, I, I've got to see myself to serve them. Like masters, they actually love and cherish your slaves. Like treat them with, these are the, the revolutionary things in their time. And I think when it comes to like marriage, when it comes to submitting and it comes to all of that stuff, submitting to one another, yes, there's all of these things that we need to talk about at some point about what does it mean about these different power and differences. We don't have time to get into that today, but we're talking about you want to be married to somebody that you feel like you can submit your heart to. 
that you can submit your will to, that you can actually, where I can go, Katie, I trust you enough that if I lay this down, that I won't get it back broken and trampled over, but I'll get it back built up. I'll get it back better. I'll get it back healthier. And we want to enter marriages where we like, we can submit because we know in this love dynamic, it will come back better for having submitted it that we're open. Does that make sense? That's really yeah. good. Yeah. And we do want to talk about that there are limits in this whole idea in this practice of submission. So if it's against God's word, if it's against his morals, so if a husband says to the wife, hey, actually, um, I don't want our kids to come to church anymore. I don't want us to go to church anymore as a family. That's when it's like, okay, there's a limit there. Um, let's cheat on our taxes. If it ever becomes destructive, there's a limit there. Um, example, if a husband tells his wife to excessively discipline their child, it's like, hey, I love you, but that to do that is going to hurt them, and so no. Um, maybe a parent asking a child to lie for them. Um, I'll give you a biblical explanation, a biblical example, and I want you to actually go away and read it. It's in 1 Samuel 25, so you can write that down. It's the most amazing story of Abigail, who she was a wife to Nabal, and um, he was a very wealthy man. And in that time, you absolutely needed to submit to your husband, like culturally. And he made a really bad decision. He made a really bad call, one that was actually going to cost the people in their household their lives. And so what you'll see in that verse and that, in that story is Abigail actually goes against her husband's wishes um, in wisdom and, and her spirit and her heart that she carried is really incredible. And so that's just a great example. And, then, and there are many more. Peter, he says that we're all to submit to the local government and authorities. But when they said to him, you can no longer preach the gospel, well, he said, who do I obey, God or man? So there are so many examples of the limits of sub submission in Scripture. That's right. And I think relationally, we can find ways to, with, when we have a heart to submit, when, we, when that's the spirit we carry with one another, um, we can actually approach difficulties and tensions and disagreements in a way that's life-giving and doesn't cause us to bump into each other. We can disagree out of a spirit to want to submit to one another. We can disagree out of a spirit to want to respect. And it ends up in a quite a different outcome. Let's say like it's like, I'm, I feel very strongly about something in our house and Katie feels very strongly and she's got the heart to respect and, and to submit for lack of a better term in that but she disagrees and she thinks it matters. If, but when she's got the heart to it, the way that that disagreement takes place is so different. And when I have a heart to submit to one another, to love and to cherish my wife, I'm gonna listen to that. I'm gonna take that on board and I'm gonna be humble enough to admit when I'm wrong. And I'm gonna be humble enough to change my mind. And I'm gonna be humble enough to go, if this matters that much to you, it doesn't matter that much to me. Like, let's go with your thing. But out of a spirit of actually, we just want what's best for each other, not out of a spirit of trying to lord it over each other. Um, not trying, we're not trying to compete for power in our marriage. We're trying to compete for love. We're trying to compete to be the most loving, the most forgiving, the most servant-hearted, the, the quickest to apologise. That's what we're competing against, not for power, yeah. not for control. Yeah. yeah. It's great. All right. It is great. It is great. <laughs> um, I, I think 
Yeah, why don't you... You've got some other stuff okay, there. Okay, all right. Well, should we... We'll get practical, Before we okay? get practical, though, oh, I think. okay. <laughs> if we could just follow the notes, Katie. I did. Uh, just... Oh, I, I appreciate I what you're saying, <laughs> but just respectfully, yeah, if yeah, you could yeah, listen yeah, yeah. to me. <laughs> no. I, <laughs> I missed that part. Go ahead. No, no, it's your part. No, no, it's not. Right it's, there. Look. Yeah, but that bit there. Oh. That's good, I reckon. Yeah. I do have a part. Thanks, Hayden. Um, <laughs> you know, I just, in, in reading this and in writing this, and, and spending a lot of time in prayer over this, it has just amazed me, actually, how the example that Jesus gave us is so offensive in today's culture. I mean, when it comes to practising submission, um, actually, I've found that if a, if a man does it, it's like, yeah, that's good. That's all right. We can deal with that. But if, it's, if you're talking to a woman, a wife, it's like, mm-mm. Who, no. Who wears the pants? It's like, no, it's like, that's not good. And, and it's alarm bells go off. And I think, and I'm not saying they shouldn't go off. I think it's only natural that they go off because they went off for me. And it's because in the past, women have been treated like second-rate citizens and they have been just, you know, put in the box of keeping house and raising babies and don't you interfere in the man's world. And as I said earlier, it's the, it's the spiritual discipline that has had the most abuse of all of them. And so yes, alarm bells should go off, but let's not throw out the baby with the bathwater. Let's separate the wheat from the chaff and let's redeem the truth. Our God, He's a redeeming God. And I believe He would like to redeem what people have ruined, something that is good and life-giving that is found in this verse. Mm. When we, one of the difficulties is, is we're sort of taught to come to the Scripture as like, as the judge of it. Yes, like we come to the Scripture thinking we know best and whatever fits through our filter of how we see the world, we're like, yeah, I'll receive that. That's good. And what happens is we end up, that's the fastest way to deconstructing your faith is if you think you know better than the Scripture. But actually the posture of faith is to go, God, I need to learn. God, I need something. And so in marriage, if you want to have marriage God's way, if you want to have relationships God's way, we need to come to the Scriptures and not go, that doesn't fit through the lens of my culture or the way I was raised or the abuses I've suffered or whatever. That doesn't fit there. It's too triggering. We actually need to come to these Scriptures and wrestle with them and go, God, what do you have in this for me? What is the truth here? If you're a married couple here, study the Scripture. Yeah, there's online resources, different things. Wrestle with what it means and go, how are we going to live this out as obedient servants in Christ? If you're dating someone, you're getting engaged, you're, you're getting married, you're thinking about it, wrestle with this stuff and go, what does this mean to do marriage God's way? Not our culture's way. Our culture's crap at it. God's way. So that we can have a God-honouring relationship. One of the keys to that, swim in your lane. Like when we read this verse, like wives, this means submit to your husbands. I can tell you that bit is not underlined in my, script, in my Bible. There's no underlining there. There's no highlighting because it's not addressing me. It's not my job to make sure my wife obeys her part of this. It's my job. But when it gets to the four husbands, this means love your wives. This might be the only giant red mark in my Bible. There's a big red mark next to that because it's addressing me. And so as we just get yeah. practical and we sort of begin to wrap it up, it's like, 
actually, if we each focus on our lane, just do our part, trust, that will create a positive cycle that will lead to better relationships. Don't worry That's about the right. other person. Yeah, we didn't want from after today for everyone to go home and be like, hey, you. I told you. You need to <laughs> do this. Um, yeah. Give it a so, go. See how that goes now. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's get practical. Okay. So I'm just going to speak to the wives for a bit. Um, so we look, we have so many opportunities to practice the spiritual discipline to practice this heart of submission, don't we? A lot of opportunities. As I said before, the corresponding freedom to this practice of submission is giving up on that need to always get your own way. And so what I would love for us to practice is practice not getting your way. Practice not getting your way. There are limits to this, obviously, he really wants an ugly massage chair in our room. It's not going to happen. So there are limits. I don't know what your limits are, but practice. <laughs> practice not getting your own way. I'm practicing not getting my own way in that too. Yeah, you are. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> that was really funny. Um, <laughs> okay, I'm going to read you another quote. Only in submission are we enabled to bring this spirit. What's the spirit? The spirit, this need to get our own way. Only in submission are we enabled to bring this spirit to a place where it no longer controls us. Only submission can free us sufficiently to be able to distinguish between genuine issues and stubborn self-will. So we need this in our marriage. In our marriage, there are going to be genuine issues, genuine issues that we need to wrestle with, genuine issues that we need to pray about, genuine issues that we need to listen to the other person on, perhaps get some outside help, um, you know, really wrestle with it. And then there are others that are just stubborn self-will. It's just two people wanting their own way. And so I would love to encourage us, let's just practice not getting our own way. I promise you it's going to be more enjoyable for you, for them, for everyone. <laughs> Husbands, love your wives mm -hmm. as Christ loved the church. He gave his life up for her. A couple of things I want to say here is I think there's like part of that is just uh, the desire to not have it your own way, like what you're talking about. And I think like one of the things we've come up against in the last few years is like we've moved from a place where like I worked and then you took care of things at home to a place where we both work and therefore a lot of those things have to be shared in ways that they won't shared before, whether it be the kids or the household duties. And, uh, you know, I was quite enjoying more the traditional sort of marriage uh, setup. Um, and so, of course. And, and so there's an adjustment there on going, oh no, to love my wife as Christ of the church doesn't mean to keep expecting all of those same things, but actually a compromise on the sort of duties. And, the sh and you still, you know, do the fair share. I'm not, you know, really, I'm just throwing in some token help. Let's be honest. But, um, but there is like, a, as we've talked through those things and wrestled with those things, it actually is like, oh no, yeah, I need to leave work early and I need to figure that out. And rather than all of that always being on Katie, and uh, there's been some adjustment. or And I think just being willing to adjust our lives like that, I think another way we can practice is just like be doing for you what I know makes a difference for you. 
I think a couple of weeks ago who were preaching and, uh, you know, we had a big day at church and we got home and the house is just like utter chaos. And then I know like Katie's having a little freak out because she's like, we've got to get this sorted in schools tomorrow. And, you know, there's all of these sorts of things. And, and, you know, I don't love cleaning the house. We've got like an outside property. There's lots of trees to prune badly and like things to keep up with with all of that. Normally we're sort of divvying that a little bit like outside, inside. But, uh, you know, that week... Uh, I I was like, just go upstairs, just have a nap. I turned on the robot vacuum cleaner and, you know, uh, so I was willing to do that for you, you know? Um, Look, he actually got to the bottom of the wash pile, which took a lot, that was many loads and a lot of cleaning. Because I know that matters to you. So I didn't feel like, I was tired too, but I felt like that was just, those are those moments where I can go put that aside I'm just sharing the only moment that's happened this year, okay, guys? Uh, we're, and, and serve my wife, but, yeah. yeah. No, he is, he is very good. Thank you very much. I enjoyed that. I've been beaten into submission. <laughs> that's not a helpful job <laughs> for this message. Um, Help me. Okay, so the, the second practical thing I'd like to speak about um, is to practice unconditional and unseen servanthood. Practice unconditional and unseen servanthood. So the corresponding freedom to the practice of servanthood is humility. It's humility. We don't get humility any other ways. They say that we can't think our way into humility. We can't pray our way into humility alone. Um, But the way that humility is formed in us is through the practice of servanthood. And um, humility is the key to any relationship. It's especially the key to marriage. Humility, I would say, I'm speaking to the wives here, humility is what is needed for you to be able to freely and generously offer the respect that he craves and will flourish in. And here's the thing, it won't cost you anything. It won't cost you any self-respect. See, a humble heart knows their self-worth And they know that serving the other does not diminish their self-worth in any way. When Jesus was in the room with his disciples and he picked up the towel to wash their feet, it did not diminish his self-worth. He knew his self-worth so much that he could go and serve them. And in fact, if we think that our self-worth is diminished by such by serving the ones that we loved, we do not have a self-worth rooted in Christ. And so Humility is, um, so I'm just talking, so serving, and I'm talking unconditional serving. So whether he deserves it or not. Oh, that's tricky. Often not. Whether it's reciprocal or not. So that's a challenge. That's, That's my work on. Whether it's seen and acknowledged or not. That's a challenge too. See, even pride is happy to serve if it gets something in return. But pride is what stopped the disciples from picking up that towel. And humility is what allowed Jesus to pick it up and to wash their feet. And I just thought, guys, like if Jesus, who is the Son of God, could pick up this heart posture as a servant and wash his disciples' feet as an example to us, then what on earth is our problem that, that we can't even stand the thought of serving the one that we chose to spend the rest of our life with? If we can't stand that thought, then our culture has really got its root in our heart. Yeah. 
And I think even there can be un slightly unhealthy but close versions of that where it's like, uh, you do that and then I get to do this and then if you do that for me, then that. Like, and yeah. we end up in this fear exchange mm -hmm. and, like, that's probably better than no exchange and no compromise, but it's still not quite at the heart of just unconditionally freedom for each other. We're in, like, a tit-for-tat yeah. sort of situation. We don't want to be like that. Um, I, I think as well, like, getting practical for me, when it goes, husbands love your uh, wives like Christ loved the church. Like, I want to lead our home, I want to lead our marriage in such a way that it's the safest place to submit. Like, that we're about the right thing, we're focused on the right thing, that I, I take not my leadership to be like now lorded over. I want to use Jesus as the example and make sure this is the safest place that it means if if Katie practices her part in this, as I practice my part, that it actually makes us both better, not one of us better and the other one worse. And so I just really think that's important. That it's like, I want to be worthy of, the, of that, of you practicing your part, that it's a safe place for that. And I think there's something about that for, uh, for husbands out there as well. I, I just, we'll sort of finish on a couple of thoughts. One is, like, there is something about the way this is written like husbands love your wives and wives submit to your husbands because even though we're all supposed to submit to one another, women generally flourish when sacrificial love is poured on them. It brings out their best. There's something about femininity that that says safety. You're willing to sacrifice for me. You're strong, but you're giving that up for me. And that brings, there's, there's something about safety and cherishing in that. There's also something about men that, gen it, that generally like to be respected and it brings the best out of them. And so as we practice this with each other, even though it's true that everyone sacrificial love brings out the best, everyone respect brings out the best. There's no doubt about it. There is something about it pushing on the particular, generally speaking, femininity and masculinity sort of buttons that helps us flourish. If you're here and you're both committed to the Lord, you both love the Lord, you're married, put this into practice. If you're here, maybe your spouse isn't walking with the Lord or maybe they've lost their way or whatever. There's a bit of nuance in figuring out how to put this into practice and that's totally all right. It's, it's more difficult. It's less safe often in that situation. So use some wisdom, seek out some pastoral help and advice in that. If you're here and you're not married and you wanna be married one day, look for somebody who knows how to practice real love. Not just romantic love, that's cool. But look for somebody that's showing a pattern that they know how to serve. They know how to submit. They know how to prefer the other because that's the real substance of the stuff you're looking for that will make for great relationships in the future. Shall we finish by praying? If you're here and you're married, why don't you just grab the hand of your spouse if you're sitting with them. We're married. Oh, we are. Sorry. Heavenly Father, thank you for those you've brought into our lives, Lord. Lord, thank you for marriage. We know it's hard sometimes, but we know it's from you, Lord. And so we ask for a blessing to sit on every marriage, the ones that are in this room and the ones that are not, Lord. Lord, we pray for the spouses that do not know you, Lord. We pray that they would be come to know You, Lord, and they would fall in love with You, Lord, and the prayers of those spouses would be answered, Lord. Lord, we pray for the marriages that are 
really struggling right now, Lord. We pray you'd give them the courage to get help. Lord, we pray you'd give, pour your grace on the transformations and the healings that need to take place in those relationships. Lord, for those who are not married here but long to be married, Lord, Lord, we pray that you'd keep preparing them in this season and we pray that you'd bring the right person along their path at the right time. Lord, thank you for all of our relationships. Help us to live them your way. In Jesus' name, amen.